0: Otherwise, so when say a podcast where Sunderland have a win to talk about again, so that's nice because the first time we've been able to do that on a Monday for a while, uh, winning the league as well, and um, take over stuff. Why not? Why not? It's topical, isn't it? And uh, as long as it remains unresolved, we'll talk about it. So, who's doing that with us tonight, John and myself? And, Gareth, we have Chris Witherspoon, obviously. Yeah, that's why I laugh when I said that. Just, cause I think people just expect a takeover talk. Uh, uh, you know, that you're going to be involved in some way. That...
1: We should get Matt on to do it, give a fresh perspective.
0: Oh, Can, yeah. Uh,
2: Can you imagine? some
0: really good, really good takes there, won't it? <laughs> we, did,
2: <laughs> we did some takeover talk on a Thursday, probably, with Matt once, and he just tuned out for 15 minutes. Yeah, he minutes,
0: did. So. He did tune out. <laughs>
2: But um, I'm glad that's why you were laughing, Stephen. Because at first it just sounded like you were laughing at the prospect of me being on at all. So
0: well, um, you know, we we do that privately, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be that cruel to do it publicly. Okay. Also joining us is uh, Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. Good evening, Phil.
3: Evening. Am I allowed to tune out (laughs) with the takeover talk, or am I? No, I'm I'm afraid not.
0: (laughs) I'm afraid not. In fact. you're going to be the pivotal yeah, exactly. figure gonna bully We're going to
1: bully you into um, <laughs> what, like, getting the club to settle, what, tell us what's going on, <laughs> basically. So get yourself ready
3: for that later. Don't worry, I have been bracing myself.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, before we get on to all that,
0: um, a resounding win... Um, uh, at the weekend, so Lincoln City, who would have went top as well, on right the right scene because Hull lost. So, had they won the game, they would have been top. They've had a good season, they've had a good season so far, haven't they? Um, whether that's true or not, whether I've just made it up, they were still second in the league and they've had a good start. And then, you know, I think the place to start, Phil, is when Lee Johnson come in and said the right things and in terms of, um, you know, how we want to decide a player with pace or the front foot, we all. And we had a discussion last week, wondered if he had the squad to do that. And early suggestions are that maybe they are better equipped
3: than we thought. Yeah, I think that was the big thing about the game. And that was kind of like, when obviously Lincoln missed that second one-on-one they had. Um, so it made a mental note to kind of whatever happens from here on in to sort of give him a little bit of the credit for, for sticking to what he said he was going to do. Because he'd made a big thing. Sort of in the pre-match press conference and what have you about how he was going to be bold, and you know there's no good asking the players to be, to be bold and be attacking if he wasn't going to do it himself. And I remember thinking that, you, know, with Lincoln being where they are on the table and also being a side that does have a bit of bit pace that can hurt you on the counter, that it would be really interesting to see whether he kind of stuck that to that himself, um, and right from the offson and did try to control the game. I thought his selection of Diamond was was terrific, really. Um, Not just because he's a young player, but because he warranted it from his performance a few nights earlier. So even if the game hadn't turned out exactly as it did with Sonnen going on to win emphatically, I remember thinking quite early on in the game that I was really encouraged because for all, there were some gaps that Lincoln almost exploited. It was encouraging for me that he'd kind of backed up what he said he was going to do. Um, And I know I'm sure along the way we'll have... A bit of a laugh about some of the phrasing and terminology that gets said um, but you have to say that if he's going to kind of back it up and if he's going to go and deliver on it then then you know that that's good and so yeah obviously fantastic that they played the way they did from thereafter I thought the second half and particularly the control of the game they had was terrific but I thought that, yeah the big thing for me was that they almost risked it going wrong if you like um, they risked the fact that they given given something up to the opposition and they got their rewards which you know it's a long time since we've being able to say that, and it was it, it was genuinely really good to watch.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? I I, I almost wonder to become straight into this analysis too quickly. I didn't feel like we had enough sort of crack at the start. There I didn't even think we really uh, didn't didn't thank didn't thank Danny Collins for doing our, uh, for hosting our Christmas quiz well, for us. He's not here, so why would yeah. you? Well, he'd be Nobody listening he listens to Gareth, does not he? <laughs> Where well, we just think him he think What, what we'll do you think? What do you think he, he based his cutting uh, cutting edge analysis on? Um, when It he does, just when sounds quote like you're
1: going. Like we had Danny Collins do a quiz for us and showing off something. That's what oh, it sounds like. Fucking
0: hell! Yeah, okay, Gareth. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> you I mean, you
2: stop
0: arguing. Why you're bloody sad sack, man? zero Christmas cheer? I'm
2: happy to. thank Danny. Like, I really, I really with don't. All with subjects. all
0: with all respect, Danny, if you are listening, I don't think you're famous enough for us to um to have to go, <laughs> go publicly and show nice, off, is it? show off that we know you. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> hell! Not very God, nice afraid, Okay. <laughs> Right, I'm we'll move on. Speaking
1: firmly with tongue in cheek, Stephen, you yeah, know. Yeah, of
0: course, you are. You're on the alcohol, that's your problem. What's that you're drinking there?
1: Just a shipyard IPA. I thought you weren't drinking on Mondays anymore. No, it's my one Monday drink.
0: On
1: Monday I get the one Monday drink for the pod if I want it, and then that's it for the rest of the week until Friday. And then it's like that um, Brian Butterfield diet, basically, you know, from um, the Peter Serafinovich. So I don't know if any anyone's ever seen <laughs> that. Who is watching this? But it's quite I, a famous I, I, thing from his sketch show, the Brian Butterfield diet, where you just you've got forty eight hours to eat as much as you can, um, and then for the rest of the week you don't eat. Like you eat like lettuce leaves or something. But you should watch it on YouTube. It's quite funny. But that's where I am with the drink. It's binge drinking, basically. <laughs> um,
2: There's a nice so, endorsement, you know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah Well it's actually not It's not quite binge
0: drinking Sounds you know. like you're trying to Talk yourself into Being a binge drinker Going to an alcoholic Talk right. it. um it's,
1: it's not been hard The last few months yeah. Well not talk you
0: yourself know. into it But talk yourself round That it's okay What you're doing Never mind um, Yeah I wish we didn't do that Now we should have just Carried on with the football Should
1: have kept uh, analysis Yeah really seemed... <laughs> Phil wishing he never bothered <laughs> There in the
3: corner <laughs> To be fair I was clearly too excited For some tactics chat On a Monday evening I've gone too yeah. soon <laughs> Well um,
1: yeah. I thought um, what was interesting about the reaction to the result was it, when you break it all down, it's kind of there's two aspects to it. there's the fact that we beat that t- a team in, in, in the top two, um, but and we beat Lincoln heavily. But if you look back in the last sort of what year, we beat them heavily in at the stadium in, in December in a similar fashion, where we were three 0 the loop after about half an hour. They're having a much better um, season
0: though, than than last season. Sorry, Lincoln are having a much better season this time no, around,
1: No, no, no. But let me finish my points, Stephen. <laughs> and then we've obviously beaten uh, Ipswich, and we've beaten Peterborough. Um, we should have beaten Doncaster who were above us. Um, we should have beaten Fleetwood. Um, and we obviously got points in those games Um, so as great as it was and this isn't me being negative because I'll come on to the other point in a second is that this is kind of new this season that we've beaten teams above us the problem has been and always been when we've been at this level is we've been unable to finish off the rubbish teams Um, and that's going to be the test in the next few months to see see what happens but what I would say on the other hand is that the attitude the game and the way we played the game was markedly different and that's the that's the the exciting thing about it and like Phil was saying you know the terminology etc I had to google what Pomo meant because I haven't got a clue he told you sorry he told you afterwards did he I I must have missed that bit (laughs) Um, so yeah now I know what it is but I know that (laughs) but it's, it's like Phil says if you if you deliver on what you're saying then yeah if you don't but he seems like the kind of person who would be hold his hands up and say look this went wrong today and we should this this was oh, this was bad today um, if it if just it does go point, wrong at any point and it will
2: yeah on that, on that point I thought it was good how actually one of the things he said afterwards was um, he, he acknowledged those two one-on-ones that Phil mentioned and he he kind of basically said, like, yeah, we kind of got away with one a little bit there, but we didn't, again, repeat what Phil said really, but we didn't, like, change away from, like, our mentality and the game plan. And I think, I mean, he, I think he also didn't he say something along the lines of, we're not going to draw many games, we'll probably win quite a lot, and, okay, we may lose some if, if we if we're that one. But I think, like, look, like, I, I thought we are great. Um, yeah, okay, but, Possibly wrote our look early on on that, but I I thought the mentality was what we've all been screaming for for even before Parkinson came in. Like probably since around Christmas time of the first season down here, I thought I thought when Ross started off as manager, he was quite attacking, and then we've talked about this before, but he, he became almost like obsessed with not conceding, and it's just the wrong mentality for a club like us in this division, and I think. You you saw on you saw on Saturday like we we have got attacking quality there you just need to get people forward and that third goal I mean it was five on three when we broke on them and it was just it was so noticeable how many more players we were getting forward and like the way we were pressing and and, and it, it was just it was like yeah okay it is dead easy to say it when we've won four 0 but the whole mentality was exactly what we've all been wanting and truthfully it's exactly what we've been needing because. Even we remember winning games at the start of the season, we were all saying, look, it's not particularly pretty. If we get up playing like this, yeah, we'll take it. But I think we all knew deep down that it was running the risk that we wouldn't. And, and yeah, and I, I thought... Look, I think some of the stuff he comes out with is... It's funny. It's very... Uh, it's fine know, while you're not losing. Back.
0: It's fine while you're not losing. It'll be interesting to see what happens if he goes on a, <laughs> on a, yeah, on yeah. a winless run later. Uh, what I would say, again, yeah, no, is no, Totally agree. What I would say, Phil, as well is, yes, it's great. Um, you know that we've seen the the, the change so quickly, in but we do have to just sort of remind ourselves that this can happen when a new manager comes in. I I, I actually meant to do some research today, never got a bit, never got time to see um, what what the win percentage was of of, of managers in terms of their. Um, second game In charge of Sunderland Because I feel like That's quite high um, Because it was always A thing wasn't it When the, um, the managers In the Premier League Came in and won The second game it Was always against Newcastle So we know that That definitely happened For a spell there um, Phil Parkinson Won 5-0 Quite early on In his tenure as well I remember he
1: lost his first two games. I think did he lost his first two. He? Did he? I, he I, I just remember
0: when, he, cause when, when we when we won five nil against Tramier, then I remember was getting very excited about that as Tramier
3: well.
2: Tramier
3: was the second game, I'm sure. Was the second? Was it Tr- Tramier? Yeah, was the yeah, midweek yeah. with Wickham and Shrewsbury, one yeah, nil yeah. defeat to either side. What a sandwich that was! Um, but um, yeah, I think well, I think it's a, it's an interesting point because obviously that Tramier game it was five nil. I think Will Grigg probably had his best performance in the Sunderland shirt, dropping deep, linking the play up, and it was kind of like, "Oh, has he cracked the Will Grigg conundrum?" kind of thing. And then we watched him chasing balls into a corner for for three months after that. So, I think there is almost there is definitely that element of perspective, and definitely after the game, like quite a few times, Johnson that sort of slip in a remark, you know, about not getting carried away, and you know the game on Tuesday and what have you which you could tell it's not his natural state I think his natural state was very much to get very excited about it but you could tell he was just kind of stressing that but I think the difference in quality between you know that Tranmere side visiting the Stadium of Light and you know Lincoln on their own own patch even without fans is is pretty pretty major to be honest so I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic to be honest with that obvious caveat that yeah we have you know we have celebrated some fantastic attacking Football in a second game in charge, which has swiftly evaporated. But yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fairly optimistic that won't be the case this time around. It was it was
1: different. I think this time in yeah that five nil against Tramier, but we were nowhere near as relentless. I didn't think. And Tramier were
0: crap as well. Yeah, that's, they were bad. Unfair. But <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, they weren't second in the league. They were they were in the bottom three and they were crap.
1: I mean, the yeah. the players must be loving it to be given the opportunity to play this way. Um you gotta if you're thinking back to you know, if you're un, playing under managers who the kind of the main focus is being solid, defensive not I wouldn't say defensive, but being you know, hard to beat, hard to break down, and then nicking a goal. You know, and the but the amount of bodies we had in the box at times, the fin like Charlie Wike's finishes were like very un Wike.
0: Like second one, if second, one yeah, second one especially, second one especially putting himself, put himself at the front post, ready yeah, for a cross. Because we again, we but, keep hearing, you know, Phil Parkins. You see how Charlie Wike scores most of his goals when the ball comes in the box, but he never seemed, So we tried that tactic, and he never seemed to be anywhere near anything. And he's made a he's made a dart. I think to the front post. This is the
3: former, though, isn't
0: it? The former. It we're gonna go with this now.
3: Yeah, it was right from the bol- bomb-, bomb alley into the pomo. <laughs> That's what we like to see. No, I think, I think it's a really good point that you make about the players enjoying themselves because I think that is a, that is a big thing. And the one for me that, um, I know Johnson mentioned the, the fourth goal, and I mean, to be honest, all the goals you can pick things out, but the second one was a massive one for me. The play comes from a throw-in, someone win that throw-in because Max Power gets up on the right wing and joins up with the attack, forces the throw-in. And then it's Conor McLaughlin in the box who picks up a loose ball and puts it to the back post where the other fullback is. And that's, you know, that's a sign of the change. And I thought, you know, power, especially in the first half, he looked like he was enjoying it. You can tell he wants that licence to get about the pitch a little bit more. Um, And, you know, how many times in the first few months of the season would we have seen Conor McLaughlin on the edge of the six-yard box, you know, putting crosses in. Um, So I think that is a big thing. I think, you know, the... We again we, we joke about the terminology and what have you, but at the end of the day, what matters is whether the players buy into it or not. And from what we're seeing so far, the players look like they're enjoying it. They look like they're being liberated a little bit, and that that gives you a bit of excitement, and a bit of encouragement. It was
1: good, it was to, good see to see as well as that well. we did, we played. In two different ways in that first half as well. So you know, initially we were pressing and we're aggressive, and that's where we got the the first two goals and then after that we didn't drop off but we kind of played on the break a little bit more and then we had two opportunities one we scored and the other another we should have got in um, from where i think it was it might have been diamond was offside i think scoring played him in he was off but we it was just a break on and you know when we're talking about managers not having a plan b you know it was nice to see an adaptability within a game. Um but the fact we scored two goals gave us the opportunity to play, um, in a certain way. You know, it brought them out. Not that I don't th- not that I think they were sitting back at all, but obviously they became more desperate to get back into the game and as it happens, if they were having a bit of an off day, it's gonna come back on them. Um and it, it, it did and when the chances came, I mean the that, that diamond goal, the the third one, it's a great goal, great finish. Um you know, the composure, like the composure, he seems to have time on the ball. Sometimes it goes against him, and where he almost d- hangs on it a bit too long and closes his opportunity, and then he gives the ball away, which is what happened for that second one on one, I think. Yeah, it was. I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one. Um, but his composure for somebody who's played a handful of games at this level. Um, is excellent um and that that finish was a fantastic finish to just to, to take that time and just clip it in with his left foot um fantastic
2: i think i think it's interesting that because we we've we sat in talked last week and said how um obviously under parkinson we, we we did miss like a nation of chances and rightly or wrongly if if we'd convert a few more of them he might well not have been sacked at the time he was he might still be in the job now and i think there was a different on, on saturday we were far more prolific than we have been all season i thought and that but and i but i think it helps and i think this is linked to like the, the point you made about white scores as well is that get more people in the box it it's a lot harder naturally it's a lot harder <clears> to defend whereas previously if you've just got white in the box who's not the most mobile of players it's Fairly easy yeah. to defend against, and like, and it's a, It sounds like a really basic point when you put it like that, but we just we haven't been doing. Well, no. it
1: You're right because, that that's the fourth goal, for example. White comes across the front post, which is again something that Johnson's been going on about. But or if if there weren't other people coming in behind him, you might yeah. not feel as though he's got license to go in there. He might as feel as though he has to stay within the width of that goal. You know yeah. the the set of the White's first goal, a header, there's a knockdown header. It might yeah. have been White as the one who's not going down in that situation to nobody, and there was there was about four or five bodies around that ball, wanting, wanting to get on the end of that second ball. And you're right, it, if if we'd had more people backing up, the chances we'd created where, that we hadn't taken, someone that you follow in the second ball, and you know you might have a tap in an empty, an empty net, or they might be able to recover a chance. We've not had that, and you know it does. It does that is the exciting thing. You'd hope that. If we're going to play with that attitude, and Saturday wasn't a, just a fluky one, off that we managed to pull it together, and we are going to, we're going to have days where we don't play as well as as we did on Saturday. But when you when you're looking at the the run of games we've got until the end of January, um, we play Hull and and Stanley. I think are the only teams we play in the top half of the table. Um, the rest, I think, we play Shrewsbury, Wimbledon twice. Um, Plymouth, Northampton. Um, there's great opportunity now to to get on a roll here and go right. Let's blow these. You know, this the the teams in the bottom half of the table away, which we should be, and yeah. make this gap up.
2: I think it'll be interesting to see, because that type of football. I, I don't know, I don't know if I was one thinking, about it, but at half time, I was thinking, yeah, we've been great and we've we've probably got the game sewing up, so it doesn't matter as much in that, but it, it's, a, it's a style of football that we're clearly not used to, and it, it uses up a lot of energy, and it'll be interesting to see whether we can maintain that when we've got games like come on thick and fast. I think one one that I haven't really mentioned that I thought was really positive was um, scouring and Power. I thought them two were excellent, on, um, on Saturday and, that, and I've been really concerned, like probably across Parkinson's reign that we kind, we kind of like miss out the midfield like we're kind of like the ball's either the balls either going wide or it's going over the heads and we don't really use it. whereas <coughs> on Saturday I thought scallon in particular and I know I don't know whether we've got an update on his injury but I thought he was excellent I thought that was arguably the best he's played yeah. for us and it really really suited him like you, you've talked about before Gareth about like how his reputation is for like like what, what they say like ratting around and kind of like just pestering the life out of people in it it suited them down the ground on Saturday, and I thought those two were great.
0: I'm sitting. I'm. I'm just thinking about Alley. I, I think it's tremendous. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's 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 our it duty to get that into the mainstream football lexicon. I think so. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna have to just keep pushing that home. Um, the two I think players Gar- in the Bomb about
1: in the group chat on the, on the other day, wasn't he Alley?
0: Bom Malley, yeah. Well, wasn't it, Gar- seen- wasn't
1: it Gary, like Gary Foster in the group? I'm sure sure he's on about Bom Malley or something. Well, right?
0: no, you've yeah. seen you've seen the diagram, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen the diagram, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like two pillars either side.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. with you now. By the way, right. Um, uh, yeah, so who who was in the bomb alley? So how how simplistic is it to say that, you know, Jack Diamond, you've, you've all touched on there anyway, and um, there has been a call for him for a while to be involved in the first team picture, Aidan McGeady was the other one who was brought into the team, you know, very, very um, sort of involved in the uh, Jack Diamond goal as well, so... You know, it, it, it's 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 hard to look past the simplicity of that. fill, isn't it? That those two suddenly come into the team and we we're a better we a better attacking team.
3: When I watched Diamond the third goal, obviously it's all about Diamond's brilliant finish on his left foot. But I don't think I'd realised, kind of live actually, how good McGeady's touch yeah. was to open up the pitch. I think initially I'd assumed the ball had been passed into him or something. Or um, but actually the speed with which he gets away from the midfielder to then <clears> break <throat> is terrific and. Like Sunderland didn't counterattack under Phil Partinson. Like, you know, when, when the ball turned over, they would stop and they would build that structure up again so they could get the wing backs out wide. Don't necessarily say that as a criticism, but it just that, that's just not the kind of goal they would have scored. One obviously because McGee wouldn't have been playing. Um but you know, generally speaking they just they just didn't you know, they didn't counterattack and that was a big frustration watching them. It was always get your foot on the ball, get back in position build up the play let's get it out wide get Hume up the pitch um, so that was again it's a different kind of threat which is what Gareth alluded to it allows you to play a different kind of way within games um, but for me alley is all about Conor Mack. Conor Mack runs Bomali. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah yeah he's like I mean his form has been remarkable really I mean you great. would never have thought he would come in and have the impact he's had after you know how bad he was Um last year but he looks he's, he's been great he's been a real asset um, I know like, I think Rory mentioned it in the group chat earlier and he's right It's it in a way it's kind of a bit of a shame that 0-9's not fit because in the system with the midfield the, the, the way we are at the moment he could, he could go in there and he could leave McLaughlin at right back if you want to have if you're talking about People from midfield getting into the box. You know, he'd be more than capable of doing that. I
0: just um, don't know if we'll ever see that because we've been we've been asking for that for two and a half years, and then whichever manager comes in, they just continue to to play on the right back down there. Well, you the can contest-
1: understand why. You can understand yeah. why because he does a good job there. Yeah, but I think it would be it would be great it would be great to have him as an option in that area. If you know McLaughlin, you saying, "Right, fair enough. You you're playing really well. You stay there." And when we've got an asset here in midfield, somebody who can score, um, who is, when he was at Wickham, obviously played off back in Fenway and scored a few goals. And yeah, I mean, that would be a good option. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the, there is a lot to be, potentially look forward to in the next couple of months. Um, because, as I say, with the games we've got, if we play with that attitude in games, we're going to give those teams at the bottom a lot of problems, um, because we're seeing some we're doing something that we've not done since we've been down here, and that's load that box with bodies. And then we're seeing to teams like Northampton and Plymouth and Wimbledon. say right, have you got the quality then, if you can break, to hurt us? You know, based on what you're seeing this year, I would probably say no. So, you, you know, you, there's a great opportunity here if we, this next couple of months it's it's going to be key. But we could really get up ahead of steam looking at those fixtures. We've played a lot of the top teams already in, that, in this first round of games. So, I think this the, is it yeah, now. Yeah. I think we've really the, got we've really got to make sure we assert our authority on things and build that yeah. confidence. Yeah, um, and then we, when we get a January, if we are in a good run, don't rest on your laurels and go, oh well, you know this squad's actually better than we thought. Strengthen it, bring in the areas that we thought we we the attributes that we thought we were lacking <laughs> before. We saw what what's happened in the last few games. Um, don't don't let that slip, and then like you know, get into February and go, oh, well, we wish would like we wish we had brought this this kind of player in or that kind of player in. I'm just talking the, from a fan's perspective I mean, because, I, I well, don't think they'll do that from a club perspective. But you know what? It's like when you start winning, you're like, actually, we don't need to do this or we don't need to do that.
0: What'll be interesting in, in, in when they try and identify positions for, and like Gareth said, there, I think he, he's already highlighted. Like we all knew anyway. We need and we need Pearce. And, and, and as Gareth said, just because we've had one good result, even if these good results to, con- to continue, I still think he would think that and he would feel those are the attributes he needs to bring to the squad. But with the injury list we've got now as well, that, that could dictate what he needs to do in January because there are some significant players out for Sunderland now, some influential players, a
3: few of them. Yeah, I think that's actually, in a strange kind of way, one of the more exciting things about it in terms of, you know, if you look at Jordan Willis and Lyndon Gooch um they're two two players who i think most of us would probably have in our strongest 11 i mean certainly willis the pace that he has um, human or
0: nine would get human human as well
3: if we if we're talking about someone being a bit more proactive and maybe letting themselves be a bit more open to the counter willis is going to be a really important player because he's actually got the pace to offer you that bit of cover um you know gooch is a, a good direct player he's you know he's not necessarily raw pace, but he can go past people. So it it is a really interesting one. It's encouraging that he's been able to produce a performance like that. Um, even when some of these players who you think are gonna have a really big role, um really big role for him is are still to come back. But I'm pretty sure he will strengthen in January. I think it's pretty clear from what he's saying that impressed impressed he's been by Diamond, um, you know, he he's gonna to look to try and bring someone in. Um, to play in those forward areas with a bit of pace I wouldn't be surprised if he, he looks to go into the loan market for that he's kind of hinted in that direction once or twice he's talked about the connections he has with the kind of bigger clubs and what have you so um, I think it's obviously it's hugely encouraging for him because he's still learning about his squad he said it himself when he kind of before he came at the Sunderland job he, he was most of his research was on other clubs that he thought he might get so I think it is a little bit of a learning process for him but I would be surprised if his if his plans change significantly in the next few weeks.
0: Okay. Any, anybody, I think
1: the point you made about Gucci in particular is he's going to be interested in this system going forward because if he if you he feel oh, he'll also, be he be loving this, he'll be oh, loving he hearing what be. the
0: manager's got to say about pressing oh, from the front and getting yourself in the box.
1: He'll have a great time. No, he will. If he if you get you know him going in this system in that front three he'll he'll be a massive asset you'll see the best of him um Hume, probably the same as well yeah, i think McFadden's done pretty well like he's he looks quite a good signing really um on what we've seen so far i would say um so obviously somebody kind of lower your expectations a bit don't you when you you see somebody's coming essentially from the the fourth division thinking well how good can they actually be and He's been pretty decent. Um, he, offer, he, he does offer that a, a similar threat to to, to uh, Hume down that left side. Um, I think he's more of a, a wing back than a left back, um, definitely, because he seems to thrive when he gets that space. But he, he, he's been—I he, thought he was pretty good at the weekend.
0: Okay. Anything else anyone wants to add? Because we want to get into the takeover stuff now. And we don't want to be here all night. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Certainly the listeners. I'll take that as a northern, right? Nobody's got anything else to add. Right, okay. we can take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about... Oh, still speculation up to this point, isn't it, regarding a potential new takeover.
1: So as many of you know, we are um, huge advocates of um, textbook terraceware uh, from, from the terraces... Um, what I have noticed is uh, Lee Johnson enjoying delightful gilet um, on a regular basis in his, his, his time at the club. I'm proposing, obviously, at the moment, you can't... You're not going to order whatever you order from From the Terraces at the moment if you use the code WMS10 to get 10% off your baskets from, from the terraces.co.uk, Um You're not going to get that before Christmas now. So I'm sure if you get your Christmas money, though, um, you know, box that off, and then when you get a boxing day... Get it spent, it's from the terraces.co.uk UK. But what I'm proposing in the meantime, Chris, if you're listening, um, is to um, just send Lee Johnson a Gile and say wear that, please. And then, you know, he can wear it at the match and that that'd be nice for him, wouldn't it?
0: I bet it's, nice on his ra- I bet it's already on his radar. Well,
1: it should be it should he <laughs> should be, yeah. It should be. If it isn't then you know
0: should be on everybody everybody's great. radar by now. Um yeah. Get ready for the Boxing Day yeah. in January availability, I would say, now yeah. From the Terraces. Get, do get a custom Christmas one money. with,
1: like, a little stitching on, saying, like, hashtag Pomo. <laughs> That's what you should do. So there you go, Chris. But, as I say, from the terraces.co.uk, use the code WMS10 to get 10% off your basket.
0: Make sure you do that. I'm sure a lot of you have already. You go and check it out, and you won't be disappointed. Right.
1: Yeah, Talk somebody about being who's disappointed. Uh, <laughs> Somebody who's also looking for a discount deal appears to be uh, Stuart Donald. Does that work? Is he looking for a discount deal? Let's just go with it. I
2: think, is he <laughs> is he looking for the exact opposite? Presumably.
1: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it was a He got the discount deal when he took the club.
2: There it is.
1: So mm. didn't he? That's he what just, happened.
2: He put in Madurox yeah.
1: 10. 20.5 million off your basket. She used the code S, <laughs> sold, sold 20.5 to get that. <laughs> um. uh,
0: few questions, <laughs> isn't there? More questions <laughs> than answers. You know, we were told, you know, everybody's getting excited and, and people were saying this would be done by now. Um, we are speculating, as I said, to, a, to an extent with this. Um, how long do you do you understand, Phil? That this is this this particular uh, buyer or or sort of investor has been interested
3: because this came around the last few weeks, right? My, my tea's ready, actually, lads. So, uh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a good question. It's it it has my understanding is that it has been going on for. For a few months, um, so I mean, this is this is the exclusivity they told us about in the summer. The same one, yeah. That's That, that is my understanding. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's an interesting situation because I think that obviously I appreciate that what people were kind of told over the weekend was was limited in lots of ways, but it was also quite revealing in in some ways, which was the CEO essentially admitting that you know it wasn't by any means done, um, and that you know kind of pointing to some of the. <laughs> Some of the issues that are there, he he alluded to the loan. He didn't mention it directly, but obviously we know that this is that's the FPP money, which somebody's going to have to repay if this takeover deal is going to go through. And it is just a it is just a strange, a strange and quite frustrating situation because, you know, ultimately, we're being being asked to get excited about, and I think we are by and large get behind a new kind of football and structure and what have you, and the new managers coming in, new head coach, sorry. And has spoken well and has shown some good early signs. the sporting director has shown some good early signs, but listen, everybody who 's followed Sunland, over the last two and a half years knows what the most important change is, and that 's at the ownership level and that 's the only thing that 's going to bring about the change that you know Lee Johnson and Christian Speakman, and whoever else needs to actually affect the change positively so um yeah it 's it's, it's a strange situation and it 's a very frustrating one for, for everybody and you know, sort of myself included
0: still um. Don't understand the constant use of plural when people are talking about the new owners because one of them has been here the whole time so he's not new he, in, in that respect and i think there's a massive question mark over exactly what his plan is for this isn't it and why suddenly he wants to increase his stake when he he's not suggested anything that you know if anything his involvement become less as time has gone on
3: yeah 100 yeah, percent look i don't think it's in any way negative unreasonable cynical or whatever to suggest that Juan Satori's main interest is political career. Um, you know, that's what all the evidence of the last 18 months has been, his presence on Weir's side has been very, very limited. You know, you hear bits and bobs of things that he's got involved with or what have you, um, but but by and large, we we haven't seen that. So it's perfectly natural that there's an element of cynicism when, for about the fifth time, we're told that, oh, this is the moment at which he's suddenly <coughs> going to become really involved. Um, you know... It, the last on the record comment we had to this was when I spoke to the owners back in May for that piece after the parachute payment stuff, and they said that you know his move to London's been delayed because of the pandemic, etc. But it's still going to happen. I think there comes a point where you just say, well, I, I, you don't buy that anymore. Um, so the, the the big thing that we're all waiting to see is you know how this ownership is going to kind of break down because is this you know Louis Dreyfus coming in and taking a significant chunk of the football club, which means that he might actually be able to affect change. and um, Because if he isn't, then clearly that looks very, very different. And that will obviously then raise some question marks when this kind of philosophy that's been put out about what they're going to do is almost directly the opposite of what we've seen in the last two and a half years. So while we've seen some exciting things on the pitch on Saturday and what have you, I think we're all just kind of, you know, Every everyone's wary, aren't they? Because even even Jim Rodwell said we've been down this road quite a lot. So that kind of tells you everything you need know, doesn't it? Mm. Chris, I
0: feel oh, like
2: Chris.
3: you should you should say
2: something there.
3: He's marking out his
2: long run. Well, Here he comes, say, Bob Willis yeah. down the hill. I was gonna say, shining it off. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think, um, I think that that last point's spot on. To be fair, I think we're all sick of it. Um, I think. Not just with the Satori thing, I think there's a lot of stuff that it, it's increasingly hard to kind of trust what we're told. I know like people like Phil and other journalists and that, like you've got to report what's said and that, but I think a lot of fans are at the point where whatever comes out of the club, they really struggle to, to trust um, to trust what they're told. I think, um, look like even just, even just if, you, if you look at this recently, um it's it's four and a half weeks ago since a story went out in the guardian that this was close and it was going to be done inside two weeks it's two and a half well, just under two and a half weeks since red and white army asked for an update and all of a sudden um wrote a report had an exclusive saying it was going to be done inside a week it was as good as done like i'm not I'm not sure where they got that from but you were presuming that it would be from someone close to the deal so I think it's pretty clear that, obviously Rodwell's not going to say it, but I think it's pretty clear there's been a significant snag somewhere along the line. It certainly hasn't fallen into the timeline. that, and We've we've seen this before. We've seen them put things out, saying things are close, and they then don't transpire or they're significantly further off. But I think it's, it's pretty clear now that there has been a snag. And to be honest, based on what the original deal was reported as, I actually think it's a good thing for us. It might not be a good thing for the ownership, but I think it's a good thing for us and for the club. Because, truthfully, if the original deal, which was basically reported as um, Louis Jafis having 38 or 40%, that leaves the current three with the majority still. That leaves them with like the power and it. It kind of sounded like he was going to be essentially what they've been claiming they've wanted for a couple of years, which was basically just investing in them. And now... The fact that it still hasn't been done, and we're now hearing that he's arg- that he's wanting to up his scale, I, th- I think that's a good thing. It, it it means two things. It means one, he realizes he needs to have control, as any new owner does, because otherwise fans are really going to struggle to get behind it. And two, the longer he's looking at things, the more the more he comes into it with his eyes wide open. Like we all we all know that there's issues um, behind the scenes financially and have been. Look, since I was short, and there's still some now, and that's one of the reasons that the current owners are really keen to push deals through, because they, if you remember, they announced their deal before they'd done due diligence, and to them, the only way they get the money that they want for the club, in my opinion, is if they get someone else to do exactly the same, so it's not really a surprise to see things getting pushed out in the media before they actually happen. Um, But I just think, I think, truthfully, my my view on it is and i'm open to other suggestions but i think there's like three ways this goes i think either um either louis Dreyfus gets the club with um hopefully with a majority Um i think he either i think he could potentially walk away and then um the current owners are really left in a bit of a pickle and that fpp loans kind of like a noose around the neck and. Eventually, I mean, judging by reports at the weekend, it sounds like the time has come due when they're going to have to pay that back, and if they can't pay that back, FPP get the club. And I think the third option, which I think those two options, either of those two options, Louis Dreyfus or FPP getting a majority of the club, are stuff that fans will get behind and fans will be happy with. I think the third option, and we, have, we haven't even mentioned the dreaded A-word that came out on Friday night, Um in that story that suggested Stuart Donald had said on a call that the club might be at risk of administration if we don't get extra money from the EFL now um, I think option number three that bails them out is getting more money from the EFL but I think if, if that comes from the pot that comes with these significant restrictions um, that's very much it's a good thing for the current owners as it keeps their head above water but I, I think that's a really bad thing for the club, and we'll, the we'll, board,
0: we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come. Up, we'll come on to those because uh, uh, that is an interesting point. Just going back to the the first thing you said, and is it it seemed you think it might have hit a snag, and then I was going to ask you about this, and you've already addressed it. As then if the snag, Phil, is that this new guy wants a bigger stake, then that is a good thing, isn't it? As far as the fans are concerned.
3: Uh, well, well, yeah, and in, in my opinion, it is as well, and I'm. I'm not speaking from inside knowledge here, this is just my view on things, that it seems very strange to me that someone would commit such a huge amount of summer money to the club and not be able to have a controlling stake in it. That just didn't make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense with kind of the process of of kind of what I understand has been happening as well. And I know Jim Rodwell said on Saturday that, um, you know, the current board had made recent decisions. and, And that is true. And it's worth stressing as well that, you know, over the last six months, we have seen... Kind of Stuart Donald's structure that you put in place, which failed spectacularly, we have seen that dismantled, and we have seen changes. And I do think the you know Phil Paterson leaving, um, you know Christian Speakman, Lee Johnson coming in is is part of that process where different voices are taking it in a different direction. But you know, as you know, people will have read it in the Echo, and it's certainly my understanding as well that Louis Dreyfus was kind of very much kept informed through that process. He was aware of what was happening, he was happy with what was happening. So that just seems strange to me with somebody who wasn't taking a majority shareholding in the club. Now, like I say, that aspect of it's not inside knowledge. That's just something that didn't tally to me. But I would certainly see it as a positive if in line with these changes that have been happening in the football operation, the takeover then gave him the scope to, you know, to have a to have a control and stake and to actually be able to kind of preserve and, and push forward that change. Um so yeah, it's it always seemed very strange to me that he might not take take a majority in that is something that you would, would hope would happen if this goes through.
1: I think it's uh, an interesting one, isn't it, the, the discussion around the the influence and that any potential new owner may have had on this process and the assumption that there's been a consultation or the information that there's been a consultation with, with Louis Dreyfus. You know, it, it's... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it either way. Um, I don't know. Like I think, obviously, Phil, you you said that that's what you understand from your perspective, and that's fine. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but it's interesting now. That's like a comfort blanket for some people. Um, Whereas, if this person's being consulted in the process, um, whereas on the other hand, we've seen, we've literally seen this before with Mark Campbell being consulted in the process um, in that summer alongside Jack Ross, where essentially. They were saying, we, these are the players we want to buy. Do you want, do you want these players? We can go and get these players. So this, this, is, this is the second time, if, if he has been involved, where we've, we've taken outside influence in major decisions regarding the football club for somebody who may never actually put his foot through the door in a meaningful way. Um, I think that's quite interesting. Um, you know, that now it's, it's also aspects of it that I find odd are as soon as generally there is a change in ownership, they tend to bring in new people to run things. So Rodwell, you'd expect normally in a takeover would be dismissed and replaced with somebody else. Um, the fact that that doesn't look likely to happen, regardless, is weird to me. Um, I don't really think like that's that's an, that's a logical thing. Um, look, I'm not I'm not like pouring cold water on the idea of somebody coming in from a, who's got like a family history of owning football clubs, and obviously has a lot of money, and could be a really positive thing and a positive asset. But when we when we did the whole Donald out thing a year ago, near enough a year ago, um, and it nothing has changed. And the reason we we said Donald out, and a lot of people wanted Donald out, is because we wanted Donald out. It wasn't can Donald Donald reduce shareholding and somebody else take more of it. That wasn't that wasn't what people wanted. Um, I know there's been some talk as well. Some people have kind of said, "Oh well, why haven't fan groups or whatever like pushed harder and all this?" But last time, around this time of year, when we did something, it it was you know some people weren't happy about it because they said that it would derail. It's derail January. It's derail the transfer window and all this kind of thing. So at the moment, I think some people might be a little bit apprehensive about to push harder because apparently there's something going on, and also we don't want to. Situation where fans are blamed again by the if if this doesn't work out if this doesn't yeah. go wrong if this sorry if this doesn't go through, the last thing we want is, you know, Mister Methven piping up through his you know variety of channels, blaming supporters for putting putting another investor off, which you know was a lie the first time and it would be a lie this time.
2: Well, I think that I think that's a key point, Gareth. I think like, like I mean, people can. Copyright, right if you disagree here, but I, I think a lot of Southern fans would agree that we we look we're all in favour of new owners. We 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 want we want new ownership. Anyone any new owner who for some reason has stumbled upon this podcast listens to this. Like yes, come come and take us. So like the the thing that people are complaining about now is that we don't we don't want the people who've basically ruined the club for two and a half years to retain any. Any sort of influence. I don't. Well, whilst I have no doubt if it goes south, someone will attempt to blame f- fans or fan groups or whoever. Um, I think really, like, we're, we're crying out for, for a new ownership. If, 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 if it came out while we're. If we get off this podcast and, like, there's a new story come out that he's bought. Kyula Louis has bought 100% of the club. We've all I've be been checking. It hasn't happened yet.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know i want on airplane mode.
3: There'll be all kinds of things going on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like it's not. So I mean, this this bollocks that came out. That like fans scared off FPP and that. Like it's just total rubbish. Like it's blaming people for someone else's failure. Like some of fans wanted FPP. Some of fans seem like if if the deal's right and if if this if Louis has got his head screwed on the right way and and if he's going to put in a structure which. It appears they've, they've certainly made moves towards. Then yeah, some some fans are going to welcome them with open arms. I, I just think, I think it is interesting, like what you were saying there, Phil, about like obviously these new people coming in now. Um, I, I do think that it it's a struggle to see that they would have done this without expecting someone to come in. But the the kind of there's been a theme of this ownership of like kind of running running before they've walked. And you wonder even if they've had like like if um lou Jefferson had a word in the ear and said yeah okay like i'm on board with that i'm on board to speak and whatever else you wonder whether whether when they when they sacked parkinson they've kind of dove into it expecting this to go through by now and it, and it hasn't and I, and I think that's why i look at it and think something Something certainly hasn't gone according to someone's timeline here because it's been dragging on for months. It's still it's still not happened yet.
1: It's been about well, it's been about five months this has been going on for because we had what? July it was it's gonna be done well it was was it June, July, it was gonna be done by the end of August? It was it was it's July just been...
2: it was July the twenty fifth, was the first day it came out, the exclusivity yeah. thing.
1: So it's it's um, it's it's been the best part there. Five months. We've, we've this has been rumbling on for. Where somebody, an ex, we've had exclusivity with a buyer who actually isn't even buying the club. He's he's taking a stake in the club. That, well, this that, is
2: this is why I know. wonder. I wonder whether when they when they've talked about exclusivity, they're kind of playing a bit fast and loose with the truth. In that, it's always been the plan to have Satori involved with someone and it's potentially been him looking for someone to bring in across that time. Just because I, I find it very strange that this could have been going on for, like you just said there, Gareth, four and a half, five months, but they still haven't nailed down the like, the, the fairly basic question of who's going to have how many shares, if you know what I mean? Like, it, just, yep. it seems to me that that's a pretty fundamental part of the deal. For it to take four and a half, five months would suggest... It, it, it just the timeline just doesn't really add up. I think,
1: I think what we've seen as well from these, this, this, shall we use the, the uh, buzzword, the ownership, the ownership group. group, the current ownership yeah. group. What we have seen in their during their tenure at the club is a complete inability to get deals done in a normal way. If you look, if you look at the whole thing, you look, the stadium naming rights, yeah, that disappeared off the plate. The FPP deal, the Mark Campbell deal, whether it was him or us who messed that up. Um, but the good thing that we messed that up, by the way. Um, Lyle <laughs> Taylor, if you go back to like the one of the Josh first. Josh Madger. Josh Madger.
0: Will Grigg. Well, they got the Will Grigg, well, the, <laughs> the Will Grigg deal favorite. done, but
1: the way they did it was yeah. in an idiotic manner. Yeah. You know, so it, it just goes to show that I, I do feel as though the. For them, it, the way it comes across is it's just a bit of a, it's all a bit of a flex and it feels as though like when it gets, look at the, the well, talk about getting, deals not getting done. Everyone th- and his dog thought Poirier was getting that job. Everyone thought he was getting that job. People were go, people, it was happening. So what happened? What happened between 10 o'clock in the morning when it was Poiette's getting the job? To two o'clock that afternoon, where he wasn't getting the job anymore, what happened?
2: I think the big problem is too much. Too much gets said, like too much comes out that shouldn't yeah. come out. Like this, this takeover stuff. Like, let's be honest. Okay, look here, look. Every everyone wants to know about it and that, but quite frankly, if it was done in a professional manner, we wouldn't we wouldn't have a clue about it. Like we wouldn't be getting told about exclusivity four and a half months ago, and it'd still be rumbling on now. Like it should. The, the the problem is like another theme of their ownership has been kind of kicking the can down the road, keeping the wolf in the door. Now, they've they've publicly had it up for sale for nearly a year now. They know everyone wants them out, so it's just a, it's the same as like well, well Phil mentioned like Satori earlier. Like it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like let's just keep telling people what they want to hear. Keep telling people what they want to hear, and it's just draining. Um, but like, look at don't I think, doubt now that something is going on but it yet again somebody's ran before the book because four four and a half weeks ago we we're getting told this was done in two weeks two weeks ago we we're getting told it's done inside a week and still we're sitting here and we're talking about it. we're not able to move on from basically the crap that we've had to talk about for far too long now
1: and you look at the way that you know what's happened with red and white army and obviously they've been pushing to try and, and get something going and i, I know that you know, people might on the outside looking in might say, well, come on, you need to do something. But, like, keeping the world from the door is the perfect, you know, expression for this situation. And that's what that's all they've done to them for the last five months. And everyone's seen the notes. I'm sure they've seen the notes from the last, you know, face-to-face meeting that took place. Um, and it's just abundantly clear that the current people in charge hold them in contempt, you know, um, you know, to the point where they want to... They don't the see is a they see them as a problem um and you know the and that is manifesting itself in in the way it is at the moment where you know they're being i would say they're being i'm trying to think of the words to use here i think there's it's a, almost
2: obstructive isn't
1: it yeah they're being it's actively cool. obstructive and either by Leaking, st- <clears throat> leaking stories out that, um, you know, basically pour cold water on any sort of action that might be taken. You know, we're pushing the club for answers, and then a few hours later, it's, oh, actually, the takeover's going to happen in days. Yeah. Cancelling the meeting because the takeover's going to happen in days. All this kind of stuff. It's just like, you know, weren't born yesterday. Like, you know, I know well, they- that, obviously, Rodwell's spoken to yourself phil and others at the weekend and it's like oh well that's clarity isn't clarity it's like it's it's clear as mud so like you've got one bloke on the friday apparently on a call saying oh we could go into administration if we don't get this money and then the next day he comes out and says actually no well that's not clarity that's a, co- a direct contradiction between two people between him and his boss so what what is it which one is it like you don't it's it's just a load of rubbish you don't know what to believe anymore it's like well you know, the, the only thing you can believe, you, well, the only thing you can't believe is anything they say. So, you know, whatever now, is just a complete. You, you know, it's. You, you just can't dissect anything rationally or logically, really, because. Well, it's just a mess with the whole thing. It's just a joke. I and certainly like, and, think, you know. The, yeah. The sooner this. Like, I'll tell you what, this. Like, people accuse us of being negative of whatever, not getting behind whatever they're supposed to be. Tell you what, this. If this Louis Dreyfus wants to buy the club and him talking 100% of the club, I'll be absolutely over the moon.
2: Likewise.
1: You know, that that's what most support supporters want. And, like, I don't think... I think we can't just have a, a collective amnesia because this person wants 50%. Because they, not, they, even if he wants 40%, he wants 50%. It's not enough. Needs needs 100%. This, we need to get rid of him. This is the thing, this, this, the thing this bloke, like... This bloke who's sitting there at the moment, who's... You know the 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 group that's currently in charge. Are just they're you know it's an absolute disgrace what they've done in the last two and a half. I think you
0: know if, if somebody can go and just listen to everything we've been told by the current ownership group since we since they walked through the Dodgers, go back and listen and read. Every single thing, put it into a timeline and see how many of those things have come true and how many of those things have come to fruition. And then you can understand now it's not being negative. You're asking valid questions. And like we keep saying here, nobody would be happier than us if this was to be a full takeover. Yeah. You know, even even if the guy was to get more than 50%, it's it's not ideal. It's not what we want. But that that is a key thing. Um, that we need to happen. Something that's really important, Chris. You mentioned it there, so I'll quick, I'll, I'll come back to it quickly. Um, and this is something, Phil. I think you'll agree with. It really needs to be stressed by everybody. Taking this bailout money is not good for Sunderland Football Club going forward, and why any prospective new owner would would, would want that. It, that just does not up.
3: No, that that that's something that absolutely needs to not happen. Um, you know, I think that the, there's kind of the the fundamental point about it, which is, you know, discussions about bailouts. You know, Jim Rodwell said that Sunderland fans would expect, you know, the club to fight for the biggest portion and the best deal they can from a bailout, and I think that's true. But you know, you also have to acknowledge that there is a wariness when we're all aware of what happened with the parachute payments that that makes them. You know, discussing the AFL bailout, quite problematic. Um, But that money, I think the the, point to stress is that while the AFL have announced how they would like to do it, it hasn't been entirely set in stone yet. So at the moment, clubs are still debating exactly what that monitored grant, what those restrictions should look like. And so it's fine for Sunderland to kind of lobby hard for the best deal for them. But when it comes down to it, you know, Sunderland shouldn't be taking any money. They can potentially restrict what Lee Johnson can do in the January transfer market or the next summer market. Or whatever. That's that's um, that is not what the club needs. It's it's not for the club's benefits, and, and, and it absolutely should not should not in any so, circumstances so, come so down. For, to people that. Who,
0: for people who are listening and who aren't aware, can you just tell us, Chris, what if clubs go and they take us bailout money? There will be restrictions on what they can do in in the yeah. transfer market and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. So basically, the way it works is there's there's fifty million. There's fifteen million which gets apportioned out regardless to League One and League Two clubs and we get it. I think we get 375 grand for that There's then 15 million that they're gonna give out in terms of lost gate receipts, which we're obviously lobbying for uh, a, a broad share of because we've got our biggest grants and then there's there's 20 million and as Phil mentioned there my, What they call them monitored grants and now clubs can only access these if they can show that without them um, the clubs in danger of going out of business and now um, it seems from the weekend, we may not, may not have applied for it yet, but there's certainly been discussions or considerations of it. And I think this would tie back into why someone, a current majority shareholder would mention the word administration on a call, because you have to show that you're gonna go bust. And the restrict, so it comes with restrictions. So I, I, I did write these down, so I'm sure I got that right. So the, the main ones, anyway, you can't spend anything on chances this January. um. There's a transfer cap of 20 grand, I think it's per player, um, next season if we're still in League One. Um, If you've maxed out your 22 players, um, you can only get a new player on loan or a free where you get rid of a player and the new player's wage can't be more than 75% of the one who's gone. So we obviously, well, the club argued against the salary cap in the summer. This would this would inflict an even more stringent salary cap, so it, it's a bit baffling, Well, I mean I think we would know why, but it, it doesn't seem it seems at odds with those two positions to be against a salary cap a couple of months ago and now be happy to take money that imposes a strict norm. And I had a look today and at, at who we've got left under contract after this season, and at the moment we've only got seven players um, as far as I could tell seven senior players whose deals aren't up at the end of the season. So I've got Greg Flanagan, Wright, O'Brien, Dobson, Gooch and um, Jim Archley, or however we're saying that, um, which, look, yeah, there's some players in there who we want to keep, but I don't think they're all nailed on first tables by any stretch and it's going to be a massive job anyway without inflicting more restrictions and I think... Ultimately, the, the point we've got to get back to really is, Stephen, as you've said there, why on earth would any new owner coming in want to order, want to immediately be hampered with these restrictions? And this, again, plays into why I think there must have been some sort of snag, because to my mind, if the deal's done, they wouldn't even be considering this. They, they, they wouldn't, first of all, you'd presume they wouldn't need the money, and they, wouldn't, they certainly wouldn't be wanting to hamper um, anyone who's coming in. Now the now the problem really is, is it's well what if if they manage to get some of this money, I don't know how much they would be able to get, if any. Um, it it's like like I've said, like where, where's that money gonna go? Is it is it ultimately the club is, at at this point in time, the club isn't at risk of going into administration. Because One theory
0: if, is that FPP are calling the loan, isn't it? Well, that, that's, a, that's a just, a, just, just a theory. Just, just a, a theory. theory. But
2: yeah, but that's the to me that's the disaster scenario. If if Louis Dreyfus walks away, if they get get money from the EFL that enables them to pay off FPP, like we've said, it's just a theory. We're not saying that is what they do or even what they plan to do. Now that becomes a disaster scenario because that gets rid of what I think is a, a safety net in terms of like ultimately, if the. The owners at the moment go bust. The football club doesn't because it falls into the hands of FPP. Now, if they're gone, presumably what would happen is the current owners would look to get promoted and sell, as has long been the plan. But we've seen how they've how they've acted under like without any financial limitations, so to speak. So how on earth would we do with with even worse ones in place? And I just, I think, like, look, we can't. I hear that fans and whatever else sometimes you're just shouting into the void but I honestly think here there's like a bit of a responsibility on our part and media and whomever else to, to kind of raise awareness of, of of how bad this would be for the club. It's a, it's a really short-term thing that could massively hamper the long-term thing. I think the point about putting off prospective buyers is a really good one as well because why on earth would you want to come in? Look, we, we all know there's more to it than just throwing money at it, but a lot of people who come in are gonna they're not gonna to wanna to be constrained. And this is this is gonna massively constrain and the way I look at it is this benefits the current ownership, but it certainly doesn't benefit the club. And I think if it is true that they're looking and I, I I saw the quotes from Rodwell and I think he kind of skirted around it. I think a great question to ask him whenever anyone next gets the chance is look, will this football club be accepting any money that comes with restrictions on it and then we'll get an idea of what the thinking is because presumably if he says no they can't then go to the EFL and say oh actually we do want this Do
0: you reckon? <laughs> right <laughs> um, <clears throat> Well That FPP
1: money is basically 50 pence on the pool table, isn't it? They're just sitting <laughs> waiting for their game to finish
2: Well, that, That's the thing I mean to, I look at it and I think it's a safety net at the moment. Yeah. Like to me, to me, they wouldn't. You get people saying, "Well, they 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 just want it for the money." I mean, it. If you believe the report at the weekend, they've maybe made a couple of million pound in interest because it's, it's it it appears to have gone up from nine million to over eleven. Yeah. These these blokes aren't getting. They're certainly not becoming getting associated with what's gone on at this football club, just to make a couple of million pound in interest. Like, without being funny, I'm pretty sure they don't get a get out of bed for deals worth that sort of money across a year so to me it's always been a case of look we've, they wanted to buy the club they didn't get it they came back in with this loan which is secured against everything so that that's another point like that they can't now go and borrow from somewhere else it may even be the, i don't know what the terms of the EFL loan will be they might not even be able to borrow from the EFL if they've got if everything's secured against this so it, th- this might be a moot conversation, but, but yeah, no, I, I agree. And at the minute, that's the safety net. Now, a lot of people will say, well, it, their actions or inaction has made it look like they don't want it. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but okay. But at the moment, we've got someone else who apparently clearly does. I think either one of those options is good for us. I genuinely believe the only way out for the current owners now, unless they accept a deal from either of these parties, is To get this bailout money, but and I just think it's such a it could really be it would. would, We've talked about kicking the can, and I really think this would kick the can on the club's future down the road. I think it it would be a really, really bad thing. And the more we talk about, the better.
1: I just think you know, to and when you, you, you roll it back to the start, for them to take the club's money to buy the club and then to have to two and a half years later go to the EFL to borrow money to keep the club afloat that they've bought with our money. And
2: well, I thought what was it credible you know, and, and
1: then and then hamper us further down the line when they're gone. It's just it's just too much to take. That I that thought, would you know it's I absolutely disgusting.
2: What was incredibly disingenuous I thought was for Rodwell to to say as he did to people like Phil at the weekend that the the owners are currently funding losses of a million pounds a month out of their own pocket and it it's it's in it's just an it's incredibly disingenuous, given what's gone on and what we all know happened with the parachute payment. We also know for a fact that this American loan's there now. I would be very surprised if actually that's not the source of 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 how they're funding it. I mean look, we don't know how much the current ownership have in a bank account somewhere, but everything we've seen over the last two and a half years suggests they're at least unwilling to part with any more than they have to um and I, I found that a really disingenuous comment, to be honest.
1: Well, what? It's their obligation they bought
2: it. Well, oh, exactly. It's like it's like me buying a house and then complaining yeah. that I can't afford the mortgage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you then you and, uh, get some, you get some and, and, uh, and then and crying in,
0: that you can't and fix it. And credit for it? Because, um, exactly. like, I made mean, the, you know, the, the people who were, who were quick to have a go at us and call us negative, and then sort of say, come on, get behind them, because they've, they've taken two and a half years to make what looks like the first long-term decision they've ever made since they've been here. It, it, it's bordering on Stockholm Syndrome, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely mental um, on that front, but <sighs> it's, it's, hard, it's hard, I feel like we're going out with negative. We'll just spank, spank someone for now, um, and I don't want to be accused of being negative. We are all happy with what's happening on the pitch, and let's stress enough that we've all c- stated here Multiple times that we're happy with Lee Johnson as an appointment and we're happy with the, the direction he and, and, and Speakman are talking about taking the club forward. Um, just to finish up, Phil, really, I guess, you know, just you know, your, your gut instinct, it's <laughs> a harsh question to ask you perhaps because none of us really know, but sort of your gut instinct on, on do you think this is going to going to get done or do you not want to um, <laughs> commit to saying uh, well, something like that No
3: no I mean and I th- no I will say because I think it's fairly logical from from what I've said about what I've heard and stuff it would be a major surprise to me if if Louis Dreyfus did not get involved in some capacity from what I've heard um and if it doesn't happen it will be a pretty spectacular mess and there'll be a, a lot of questions to ask Is probably I would best sum it up
0: Right so we I mean we should go out and beat. But I guess I guess we need to try and remain positive because if that does happen, there's no way. We there's about no even the tomorrow. There's, there's there's no way. There's no way he's gonna he's gonna want the, those restrictions in place. Is there? I just can't. No. There's no think, logic in that whatsoever.
2: Like going back to what we've already said, though, I think the news that's come out over the weekend that compared to the original deal that was reported, he's looking over his holding. I, I think that's a, I think that's a big positive. It, it means it. It hopefully also means he's realised the extent of kind of fan disillusionment under the current lot, and he's hopefully realised that actually, if he gets, um, if he is seen as getting into bed with this lot, that a lot of fans won't won't get on board, no matter how much money he has in the bank. So, and to me, that that that's a big positive compared to what was getting reported a few weeks ago. Because hmm. I depends think depends how much
0: of the bed they're taking up, I guess. Um, yeah. Right, great. Uh, also, the play playing Wimbledon tomorrow. Right, OK. Um, oh, <laughs> 2-0, 2-0 to the lads. That's that's Matisse being ready for yonks, right. OK, <laughs> thanks for coming on, Phil. Um, Pleasure, thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening.